Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefald. How you doing? It's Dr. Franklin Sniffles Weefald. What's the What's the problem well, with your sniffles? I have really bad allergies, yeah. uh, but they're seasonal. And by that I mean, you know, I get them pretty bad in the spring, and then I get them really bad at certain times in the fall. This will be gone by Sunday. Really? But, and I can't figure out what leaf it is, but... You hear that? I do. Certain it's disgusting. Leaves, when they start to fall, <laughs> it gets, I don't know, some chemical in the air. And I'm telling you, it's like turning a spigot of snot on in my nose. Well, thank you for sharing. So the, the way I'm treating it, and I have gotten permission from my physician to do this. Yes, yes. Is I'm taking prednisone. And the reason is it's an anti-inflammatory, anti-immune. Now. Why do people get these things? It's because of IgE. It's Which, a type of antibody. Yeah. And nobody knows why you have them. People think that they may be uh, helpful in killing cancer. Who knows? But the IgE binds to the allergen, so pollen, something like that. Sure. And it causes mast cells. This is another type of immune cell to get rid of histamine, and then that just makes the flood. That That's the cascade. Yeah. So I rinse my nose out with normal saline or yeah. saline solution, and it helps because it gets rid of them. And then I took some prednisone to help tampen down my immune response. I'm right. using Flonase topically. I'm using something called Astelin, which is a um, topical uh, antihistamine. And I'm still a mess. So, All right. well, And I'm, it's not COVID. This is now one year that I have tested myself just about every day. Right. And you're... Always negatory, good buddy. And let me talk about this. I may have allergies that may be a sign of a heightened immune system, right? Okay. Because you're overreacting. Of course, I overreact to everything, right? (laughs) But anyway, so I think I'm super immune. And everybody in my office laughs. I've always called you that. No, super immune. And the reason is, I mean, there must be 20 or 30 patients who, you know, we did the survey. No symptoms, blah, 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 no exposures. And then I hear a week later, oh, yeah, they're in the hospital. They got COVID the day after you saw them. So, you know, I'm thinking and contemplating, well, you know, whatever. But I've never gotten it. You're testing you every day. Every day. Wow. Yeah, because I don't want to be the one who's asymptomatic and giving it to all my old folks. Sure. So anyway, if you hear me sneeze... If you hear me cough, there's no sneeze or cough button on this microphone. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Just realize I don't have COVID. The only people who hear that are the people who are listening live. The folks who listen on Apple Podcasts or by hearthealthradio.com, be assured you will not hear sniffles. I'm going to have to go through the whole show and edit out every sniffle on the recording. I think that's a good word. What? Sniffle. Sniff. You know, a, a, a patient's word in Johnson County What's is that? stringle. Really? It's a sniffle that makes you strangle. <laughs> okay, so you have a whole okay. bunch, you sniff, and then a whole bunch of the loogie comes in the back of your throat. Yes, thank you for sharing. And then yeah. you aspirate yeah. it. All right. All right. Stringle. So, the word of today is stringle. In the news today, 
OSHA is suspending enforcement of the vaccine mandate while the lawsuits continue. Yeah, they have to. I mean, you know, and, and I think the number one reason is that they're going to lose a lot of people are going to quit. Okay. Right. And I think that businesses really can't afford that now because, you know, 12 million unfilled jobs in this country. Did wow. you know that? I didn't know. 12 million more jobs open um, by like 50% than there are unemployed people. Uh, McDonald's is offering $600 signing bonuses. And I think it's up to $15, $16 an hour. Don't tell. Shh. Well, quiet. Let me tell you. Keep I it had, quiet. We're going to lose our board operator. I had a really bad day today. I had a lot of, un, you know, a lot of tough patients, a couple yeah. of ungrateful ones. Right. So, and then I'm worried I'm going to be late to the show. So, I'm driving along, you know, mumbling to myself, woe is me. I figured, well, I got to eat. Sure you, know? you so do. The, the best yeah. thing to do is go to the drive-thru at McDonald's, get a, a couple things, and then eat them in the car, right? Do you do that? I try not to. I but eat yes. driving. Yeah. I eat driving. Anyway. I was rejuvenated because... What did you eat? McRib is back. Oh, good. McRib is back. Good I want you. everybody who's listening to know they are <laughs> bad for you. There's no doubt. The sauce is yeah. full of sugar. Yep. You got the bread and the repurposed meat. I have now learned that that's Whatever a term. It is. Whatever okay, it is. Okay, so they take pork shoulder. That actually is real meat, but if you ever open up a McRib, you'll see that it's got what looks like ribs. Okay. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, indentations. Okay. So what the McRib is, is pork shoulder and other stuff that's ground up. Sure. And pressed into a patty that has those ridges to right. make you think it's really a and rib. And then the, the last process, they paint stripes on it. Yeah. To no, indicate no. A, they're indented stripes. They're indented. They're right. actually indented. So it looks like a rib. <laughs> but what it is, is, I don't know, uh, 14 this, ounces of absolute heaven. Yes, okay. it is. Yes, it's got and it's got these. It's got these long, uh, fresh onions. It's okay. not the caramelized. No. no. So, tomorrow for lunch, if you're when you're eating lunch and you wonder what the weefy's eating, <laughs> it's another McRib. All right. In the news, also, the CDC is investigating a major flu outbreak in Michigan. Yeah, we college. Got, we got we got ECMO. Uh, questions. Elmo? A lot, wait, a wait, lot wait. of people. No, Elmo ECMO. or ECMO? ECMO. Okay. You taught me that term. I know what yeah. ECMO is. And there is a study that says pregnant women who smoke pot tend to have children with mental and behavioral health issues. That's what happened to Gen Z. I don't think Yeah, come is. on. All the millennials smoke weed, right? Yes. But uh, you know what's the most amazing thing to me? What's that? I don't know of any millennials who had Gen Z babies yeah. or any Gen Zs yeah. that don't smoke weed all the time. And so if this is true, yeah. we're in for a big, yeah. big group of um, kids behaviorally who challenged issues. Children, so I think yeah. it's really important that that get investigated. I have this thought that I, I don't want to generalize ever about anybody. But you know, when my wife was pregnant, and when and you my daughter, you spoke no, no, we didn't. But they watched my daughter and my wife did everything. They made sure they had extra veggies. They had you know this, that, and the other thing. I think if you're a pregnant woman and you're getting baked, 
you're smoking cannabis? Yeah, you call it getting baked? Getting baked. You know, listen, I don't know where you came up with that. We called it dope. Now it's weed. Okay. And if some you're of my patients do, call it reefer. If you're doing that, there may be other things in your life which might result in your children having behavioral health issues. Yeah, but I actually think this may be true. Now, really? again, I'm not saying it is true because I don't think the studies have been done. How are you going to do a double-blind, case-controlled study? No, you can't. You guys smoke weed, you guys smoke fake weed. You know, you're pregnant, <laughs> let's, and then we got to follow your kids for 20 years. Right. But, you know, the chemical, THC, I mean, it is a powerful drug. Yeah. And for some, it's wonderful. I mean, it gets rid of cancer, nausea. Uh, gets rid of headaches in some people with migraines. It helps for chronic pain. No doubt about it. Right. But it definitely has uh, psychoactive effects on the brain and on developing brain tissue. It probably does. So, so many people smoke smoke it now. I mean, I, I can think of, yeah. you know, people in my own family. There are some who do and some who just pound at it night really? and day. Yeah. And uh, I think it's really um, weird that we haven't looked at the long-term health effects. For example, has anybody really studied whether smoking marijuana causes lung cancer? No. They're just now going to start looking at it. And let me tell you, there are a lot of lung cancer cases coming out now. I think the fastest growing um, uh, population of lung cancer is in non-smokers. Now, it could be radon. Yeah. It could be genetic, you know, possibilities. But they got to look into this marijuana smoking business. Or, or it could be people who report that they're not on, they don't right. smoke tobacco. And right. They, right. It could be a lot of different things. But okay. I think we really need to look into this because I think it's a potential dangerous situation for the country if it's true. And if, I don't know if, if it's, it's true. true. And the, the story is that there's an increase. You know, when they follow the children of women who admitted that they smoked pot, right? they, they had more behavioral health issues and mental And you know, the issues. thing is nowadays among the Gen Zs, yeah. they don't lie about it. No, they don't. They, they, hey, yeah, I smoke weed. Yeah. yeah. You got one? <laughs> I mean, not you, but I'm saying that's what they say. You got one? <laughs> oh, have you ever heard of hot boxing a car? That is the other thing. Hot boxing. Uh, yeah. So what they do. Oh, no. Yeah, let me tell you, they smoke so much with the windows closed yes. and the fan off yes. that it's hazy full of marijuana. Yes. I drove up, stopped next to a car, the guy <laughs> rolled down the window, and I got high. <laughs> and then I have patients who come in. Yeah. I could get high just by sitting next to him and smelling him. Yeah. And I ask him, have you hotboxed your car? Yeah. How'd you know about that term? Because uh, I know. Yeah. Right. So I think it's a it, 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 listen. If there are long term health effects to smoking marijuana, which should be investigated, either behavioral, or you know heart attacks associated with sure. marijuana use, yeah. or you know brain damage in the future, we need to start looking at it now. Right. Because uh, the legalization is coming. Yeah. And, even uh, even here in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Oh yeah, it's coming. North Carolina is going to okay. legalize it. The All more right. yeah, the longer we wait, the longer we the more likely it's going to happen. You want to ask the doctor a question, health question, 919-860-9783 is our telephone number, 919-860-9783. We're going to talk about a couple of studies that I don't think they're real. Can we do it in the shame segment? Coffee and tea and coffee and eggs. 
Might be good for you, might be bad for you. We'll tell you in just a moment on Heart Health Reading. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. 919-860-9783 is the number. If you've never heard the show, it'd be a great way to jump into the show. Jump right in. Call. Uh, Marge in Apex, you are on the radio. How you doing, Marge? Hey, I'm doing great. Good. I have a question for you, doctor. I was wondering, okay, I have a daughter who has been smoking weed for... Years. Years and years and years. Yeah. Years and years. <laughs> well, like at least 20. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she started young. She's still smoking it. But um, it seems like she's developing this syndrome that we heard of where um, you're, you're nauseous and then you start, you know, you throw up. Hmm. And you go through bouts of that? Yes, it's a new thing we're learning about. And yeah, she needs to get off of that, that stuff. Marge, has what? she talked to her doctor about it? Well, she, um, you know, she, you know, since she's been smoking, she's quite addicted. Yeah. You, you know what it's called? Um, I'm going to, I, people need to hear this. It's called CHS. Okay. Cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. And you don't mm-hmm. have to you don't have to puke all. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. You don't have to vomit all the time, but yeah. long term use. And this is what we talked about: changes your brain, and right. it can definitely cause this. This is something that we're now seeing. And we talked about long term health effects. This is a syndrome that's happening more and more. And you know, there are people now who have smoked marijuana for 50 years of their life. Yes. It is so common. Yes. I mean, and my, you know, my sister, my daughter has a medical condition called, um, uh, oh my gosh, my brain is not working. Um, anyway. Called something or other. Yeah, something or other. You know, you're, she hurts all the time. What's it's that called? Joey Bag of Donuts. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so she gets a prescription for marijuana from her doctor in yeah, so California. Yeah, my daughter. <laughs> oh, what's her syndrome that she needs it for? Um, oh, anxiety. Her and her husband both have anxiety, and they both have the medical. Um, boy, oh boy! Yeah. Yep. Can I ask how so, old she is? How old she is? Yeah. She is thirty-nine. She okay, so she's young. she's a millennial. Smoking, maybe when she was sixteen. Yeah. I'd say. Well, that was, was she a, was she a tough kid to grow up yeah. with? You know, rebellious yeah. and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's it's hard and. You know, what the answer is, I don't know, you know. Um, fibromyalgia, that's what my daughter has. Oh, yeah. I tell you, I should smoke some weed. It's supposed to help your memory, you know? No, you I know? don't think so. Anyway, um, when she was growing up, did she call it weed or did she call it, what did she call it? I don't even remember. Yeah, we, we called it dope. Now dope yeah, is heroin. Kind of, I didn't realize she was doing it. And, um, yeah. And then, yeah. It's hard, and don't blame yourself. The um yeah. the influence of the culture here is just right. Yeah, where'd she go to high school? Apex. Yeah, the apex, the peak of living. But anyway, <laughs> um, there are high schools in Johnston County that just mm-hmm. have drug dealers walking through the hallways. Yeah, right. it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Um, some people blame it on the lack of jobs, but it doesn't sound like you all lack for a lot in Apex. I mean, it's just the 
the peer pressure and everything else. So here's what, let's get to your daughter. Um, yeah. She needs a psychiatrist. Does she have a psychiatrist? Yes. Okay. She does. And she needs she to does. do something to get off of marijuana. Um, is she on any other psychoactive medications? I believe so. Yeah, you probably don't. She has yeah. tons of meds. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. so she, I tell you, it's just a tough situation. Um I don't know what to tell you. Do they have children? No. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. No, they don't. But they're both smoking, and it seems like, you know, I've tried to tell her, and other people have. And, of course, she went for, um, you know, gastro. She went for um, the scope, the colonoscopy, mm-hmm. and the scopy scope. And, of course, they came out with nothing, and, um, yeah, no, she has, anything. tell her she has CHS. Now, yeah, I'm not diagnosing her, so don't call the medical board and get me in trouble. But I think there, if she went to a doctor, if I had a patient like her, I would seriously <laughs> consider cannab- cannaboid, cannaboid hyperemesis syndrome. She needs to get that stuff out of her system. Now, she needs to wean off of it. Right. And right. she needs to definitely get off of that stuff. And you, you know what that's interesting is that I bet you a lot of her anxiety and a lot of her other problems will resolve or at least get better when she gets right. this out of her system. So tell her that the world, WGD, the What's world's that? greatest well, doctor. I, her. I told her that too, but you know, you know, they're addicted to it, so they refuse to believe it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so common now that it's just a benign thing, you know? Right. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, said that everybody would say marijuana leads to heroin, you know? And what would right. they say? They would say, well, does milk lead to alcohol? You know, you drink one and then the other. But I right. definitely think there is a, a weed nation here, and we have got yeah. to do something about Most it. Most definitely. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, well, good luck. Call us back. Tell, tell your daughter to call, because I'll talk to her in a real she, nice well, way. She's in Florida, but she refuses to Sure, she can listen. Get my she podcast. Gets mad. Yeah. She's mad at me, and it's like, oh. Well, one thing that you don't want to do is feel guilty, right? You're def- you are loving your daughter. There is such a thing mm-hmm. called tough love, and right. uh, and unconditional love, and that you're okay. showing unconditional love by your concern. Thank right. you, Marge. Oh. Okay, thank you so much. Love you. Have a great night. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Thank you, Marge. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know what to say. Up in smoke. The whole country's up in smoke. There was a time when there was a uh, a feeling that, you know, there were folks who smoked weed, and then there were other folks. And the I, the guys I went to high school with who, who smoked weed, honestly, that's what they did. Yeah. They didn't go on to college. They mm-hmm. didn't go on to whatever. Yeah, stoners. And there's this whole stoner culture. But, but now— Hey, dude— but now, the kids who are going to college, the kids who are being successful, the kids who are doctors and lawyers, are taking... Oh, I know. I know neurosurgeons, oh and my. I know uh, invasive cardiologists, interventional cardiologists who smoke weed every dang day. Wow. Yeah. It's, after? It's like, you know... Please it's promise like, me that's after the operation. They just have it in their... It's like Winston Churchill. You know, they called him a drunk. Yeah. Yeah. He just he had he had alcohol. He probably had a blood alcohol level half of the driving limit his entire life, all the time. You know, he had a little thing of whiskey, then he'd have you know, and so it's like that. 
but yeah. with the marijuana for Oh, my stuff. gosh. All right. Well, listen, we've got a lot of things coming up. We've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health Yay! News. I talked to her the uh, during the week, and she says, I'll, I'll get with you guys on Thursday night. I hope so. We're going to talk about the – got Phil from Raleigh on the line. Hang on, Phil. We're going to get to you. Um, we're going to talk about the difference between heart failure and heart attack. And I've never had either one. But they operated on my chest. So we got to f- figure that out. And stents, which I also have, are stents called for now or bypass? That's in- an interesting thing. And I think it's real important for you out there because I think there's a choice now. And I want to educate you in case you do need something. All right. That is coming up on this radio program with the telephone number 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network, and we welcome somebody back to the to the broadcast. She hasn't been on for a while because our schedules have just not worked. Rose Hoban, North Carolina Health News. How you doing, Rose? Good. How are you doing? We have missed you. Hi, Dr. Weefold. I've missed talking to you guys. How's everything? Uh, you know, hanging in. It's uh, been busy. Good. Um, That's I good. I saw that the state budget was released this week. And, tell, uh, tell, us and you know about, tell us what you know about the state budget, how it's going to affect health. Well, I mean, there's just <laughs> feels like billions of dollars of uh, COVID relief funds that are beefing up a lot of um, health spending. There's money for some uh, mental health treatment in there. There's, um, golly, there's everything. There's $5 million for rural hospital improvements, uh, money for COVID mitigation and treatment in jails and prisons, money for even money to help people with their heating and cooling bills, uh, you know, to bolster a federal program. LIHEAP, which uh, helps low-income folks um, you know, have air conditioning in the summer, as you know, right? If if you, for example, have a heart problem and it's too hot, it can exacerbate your congestive heart failure. I don't know how anybody survived North Carolina before there was air conditioning. Right. Oh, but you know what's interesting? I talked to my patients, you know, who are in their 80s and 90s, sure. and they said it wasn't as hot. Now, I don't know if that's global warming, or I don't know that if you don't have air conditioning ever— your body sort of gets to the point where it is acclimated to the heat. I don't know. But they're telling me. They're serious. They say it wasn't that hot. No, no. You definitely acclimate to the heat. You know, I I worked in the tropics for three years. When I came, like they say apparently that you develop more capillaries in your skin so that you can get rid of heat more easily. And I remember when I came back to the States after three years in Southeast Asia, I was cold all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look at pictures of, you know, 1920s in Raleigh, they're all wearing suits and hats, <laughs> and it's 97 degrees out, and they don't break a sweat. So, But oh, listen, one thing I want to know, sucker, is right. it too early to find out whether they're really saving money with the new Medicaid managed care? Is there anybody looking into that? Yeah, you know, it's still too early. You know, you, you really, you don't even have two quarters worth of data. Right. right? It, it only just happened in July, and they're still paying out 
the old fee for service really? payments. Can I tell you something time, now? Right? Can, I, can I tell you something? I'm still fee-for-service, and I know every single physician is fee-for-service. This whole concept of managed care, you know what that is? Hmm. Is denying (laughs) procedures. Really. I mean, think about it. I see Medicaid patients every day from the blue Medicaid, healthy blue it's called, and then the United Healthcare one, blah, 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 blah. And really, there's no difference. I mean, I have been signed in to their programs. I get referrals from the physicians who are their primaries. I want to do a stress test. I get on their computer system and nat- try to navigate this, and then I get paid. So in reality, I don't see any difference, except it's a different payer with a different um, requirements for me mm-hmm. to prove that they need an EKG. And so, mm-hmm. and so many of my physician friends just quit, you know, in the sense of they want to get an ultrasound of their heart, but mm-hmm. they get turned down, turned down, turned down because they don't know the secret sauce. The secret sauce, like on a McRib, how to answer the question. That's what it is. So I don't, I want to see if they're really saving money. And I bet they are because people are getting less tested. And that may not be, hey, Rose, that may not be a bad thing. That may not be a bad thing. We over test, you know. Right. That's very sad. I agree with you there. But but now also we're paying these for profit companies for overhead. Oh, yeah. Do you know how it works? They get a capitated. Thing. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's the same concept as uh, Medicare, what's that called? Medicare Advantage plans. Yeah. So, Medicare yeah. pays them, let's just guess, $9,000 a year for that patient. So, how are they going to make money? By having that patient spend less money. Now, how do they make the most amount of money? Is if they get $9,000 in January and that patient dies two weeks later, they oh get my. to keep that money. So, obviously, I'm not claiming that they are um, on purpose trying to, no. you know, not have people do well. No, no. But the incentive is for less care, and that may be good in many situations. You and I both know, Rose, there's a lot of overcare, you know, there too much spending. There's a lot spending. of overcare. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that's a, the right kind of incentive, you know? I don't it, know. It, it is. It's a tough one. I mean, what I hear and what I've been told, and I, I mean— it's not your it's not your your father's managed care, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the managed care of the nineties. Right? Where it was I mean, remember when they were having it was a mess. Care, you had to sign up. Yeah. You had to climb three flights of stairs to get to the place where you could sign up and it would screen out the people who couldn't climb the steps, yeah. right? Um, it's not quite like that because I do know that in the in sort of the new wave of managed care, like there there's there's many more uh, benchmarks for yeah. quote unquote quality and care that are written into the contract, but still, yeah, you know, but you can beat those states. There's been I, states. Where, yeah, I know for sure. Really done a lot of denial. I beat you, I beat those benchmarks every time. You know, it's very interesting. But listen, right. I'm so glad you're back. I want people Thank to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Check out the healthcare half hour. She's intruding on the spoken word. Uh, oh, really? area. Oh yeah, she did. They do a wow. they do a healthcare half hour. Do you want to know something? I looked at your I looked at your picture for the first time today. I found oh, it my. says, uh, and you look exactly like I imagined. Oh, I'm serious. Oh, you, know, you know, you'd wonder <laughs> what someone looks like in your mind, and it was like I could have picked you out and said that's got to be Rose Hope. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I I just expected you to think of me as like I don't know six foot three blonde, oh, really no. high cheekbones, long long. No, you have the combination of brains <laughs> and beauty. Okay, it's exactly what I imagined. All right, break it up, kids. Oh, thank thank you. you. You take All right, care. North Carolina Health News dot org. Go there for your health care information. Thank Absolutely. you, Rose. All right, Phil in Raleigh. Welcome to the program. Thank you for your patience. How you doing? Yes, I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, you don't need my picture. <laughs> uh, uh, this is not not a uh, 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 a hard question. Yeah, uh, it can be any question. I I'm, I'm I no I know everything. Yep. Thank you, sir. I called a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And you recommended I go to my urologist rather than uh, uh, general practitioner. Yeah. About I remember this. My, right. Well, yeah. It's uh, it, it's male stuff, it, and it's on the right side. I, I think that's enough. It's there. it's male stuff, and it's on the right side. Are you, are you talking prostate issues? No, no. It's one of one of the boys. It's swelling. Oh my! One of the so, testicles uh, is yeah. swollen. And what did they find out? Well, my urologist uh, diagnosed it as a communicating hydrocele. And recommended an ultrasound. Looking for a hernia, yeah. And now I have a, it looks like a lizard name, iguanal hernia. Yeah, you have an inguinal hernia, and that's causing fluid to build up and travel down to the uh, testicle. That's correct. Are they going to fix your hernia? Actually, guess who he recommended? Great. And who, who's going to... Waters. Yeah, great. Well, we yeah. did something right on the show. It's funny because this conversation is reminding me of Phil's original call. Right. And Phil's original call, you mentioned that name. Yeah, yeah. So is he going to repair this? I have not seen Dr. Waters yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm well, seeing him next week. You tell him I sent you. He did a great job. I had one on the right one on the left, inguinal hernias. That's yeah. when the 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 uh, separator to the inguinal canal. Okay, so the testicle feeds up through the uh, vas deferens. That's the spermatic cord, yeah. and it actually goes into your belly and then down this thing called the inguinal canal. And the guts don't fall out because there's a separator. Sure. Okay. That when when a hernia happens, that separator gets weak and the intestine actually slides down into your inguinal canal. Hmm. I had a patient whose entire small bowel almost was in his testicle. I mean, it was huge. Anyway, I had two of them. I had the right, the left, and I had one in my belly button. And Chris Waters fixed all three. He used a, um, he went in with a scope, didn't slice, he punctured, and, and then had some other scopes, and they put this patch over the separator and pulled my, it was great. They did one, two, three. So, you're going to have a great time. He's a great guy. Doctor, my, I guess my question is, what, what can I expect from the surgery and, okay. and recovery time? Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you what happened to me. So they go in through your belly button, and they also have a couple of little other holes. Now, this is what's called laparoscopic surgery. Now, I can't really predict because I've never examined you, and there may be complicating issues. For example, if you've had previous surgery in your belly or if you've mm-hmm. had adhesions and small bowel obstructions, they can't do it that way. But what he did for me and what I suspect he's going to do 
is you'll put a scope in, uh, flexible tube that's got, you know, and then other uh, instruments through little tiny holes. And he can use his hands outside of your body and manipulate these little teeny weeny other hands inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do the suturing and put the mesh in the right place and suture it up. Sometimes they staple it and clip it. And then he'll pull all that stuff out and you'll just have a little incision in your belly button and two other little holes that are healing. And I did it on a Friday and I was sore over the weekend, but I went back to work Monday. Yeah. It's fantastic okay. surgery. So yeah. the recovery time is Oh, I would say for you it's going to be a week. I mean, I'm serious. But, I mean, oh. the, the, when I learned how to do hernia repairs, yeah. it's a nightmare. There are like six different brutal hernia repairs but, that but, involve, you know, cutting and sewing. But Phil's groin. probably not going to go through that. That's what I'm saying. Phil's yeah. going to have a great experience. You go to sleep, you wake up with a little couple sutures in your belly button. It's awesome. Thank you, doctor. Good luck. Phil, call us call back. Us, call us from the operating room, okay? Sure. Thank you both. Yeah, All absolutely. Right, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So I have had neither heart failure nor a heart attack. Well, it's interesting because I, a patient asked me the difference, and I said, you know, this would be really good to talk about on our show. And I always talk about the heart is like a room, okay? Yeah. The electricity, that's what is powers the heartbeat. So just imagine electricity runs the walls of the muscle. And mm-hmm. so when the electricity runs through in a pattern, the walls will move back and forth. Sure. And the door is a valve. Yeah. It'll open, let the blood flow out, close, let the blood flow in from other valves. So heart failure is a term that has to do with the muscle, okay? And sometimes the valves too. So the heart doesn't pump right. It doesn't pump strong enough because it's had damage from a previous heart attack. Right. So heart failure is the failure of the heart to pump strong enough the pressure builds up in your lungs, it then builds up in the legs, and you get fluid overload. So heart failure doesn't mean your heart has completely failed. Right. It just means it's failed to do its job over time. Okay. Now, what's a heart attack? That's the plumbing, okay? So the plumbing are what we call the coronary arteries, and they are not just pipes. They're organs. They have, they're, they're squishy, okay? Yeah. So they're tubes that are squishy. They have dev- several layers. And they let the blood flow into the heart muscle to give it the strength, the nutrients, the oxygen to allow it to pump. So if you have a cholesterol blockage, Mm -hmm. it can clot. And then that cuts off the flow of blood and muscle starts to die. That's a heart attack. Um, Myocardial infarction is the official term. But we all call it a heart attack. Now, a heart attack isn't when you drop dead, okay? That's you know, sudden death syndrome. That can happen from a heart attack. So if you hear somebody has clutched their chest and has had discomfort or shortness of breath or something, and then they fall over dead, what's happened is that you have three factors involved. You have a blockage in the artery that is clotted, yeah. a lack of blood flow to the muscle, so the muscle stops working. But guess what else happened? Hmm. The electricity goes haywire. Because when you have no functioning heart tissue, mm-hmm. the electricity gets messed up. And what can happen is it can go into a haywire type of fluttering called ventricular fibrillation. And so that needs a defibrillator, could chunk to 
sort of wipe out the bad electricity and bring in the back. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pause for just a yeah. moment. Or just imagine we've got a patient, okay, and his heart has done that. He's yeah. flatlined. Yeah. And we're gonna come back after a commercial and break resuscitate. and resuscitate. Resuscitate. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask questions like you ever scream at somebody, don't die on me now. Because I don't think that's... You want to know something? What? I've done that once. You said that. Okay, yes. we'll, we'll talk about that. Coming up on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, and we are shouting out the most premature of babies. Now... 21 weeks, okay? I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. When I was in med school, I wanted to be a neonatologist for a while. Uh I worked in the neonatal intensive care unit for a month as a uh, sub-intern. That was when you were in med school and you took on the role of an intern. It was unbelievable, okay? 27 weeks, 28 weeks was considered super premature. Sure. 21 weeks. This baby was 14 ounces. 14 ounces. I mean, that's just wow. unbelievable. And they wow. and they did everything they could. Everything they could. And Born July 5th, 2020. Yeah. He's 16 months old. Curtis Means, I'm telling. He's doing extraordinarily well. Um, he wow. is happy and healthy. And he was on a, a form of ECMO. Um, they put it through the umbilical artery. So you know how the baby is fed in utero? Sure. The placenta is essentially an ECMO machine. And okay. it attaches to your uterus, and her, your, the mama's blood flows next to the arteries of the placenta, and the oxygen exchanges that way. Okay. And then it flows from the placenta into the belly button, into the heart, and to the rest of the body. So now they take a machine... And they plug it into the umbilical artery and the umbilical vein and run it through the machine uh, to oxygenate and get rid of the carbon dioxide and stuff like that. Sure. Just a fantastic story. I will say this. What's that? It's going to change the way we think about abortion. I I really do believe that. Sure. Because, you know, uh, most countries in the world is 20 weeks. Did you know that? I didn't know that. France, England, Germany, abortions are illegal after 20 weeks. Um, and I think we're heading in that direction in the sense that Roe versus Wade, as you know, they relied on scientific studies about when viability would be. Right. And I think we're bringing that back. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of research now where they're taking lambs because for some reason they study lambs. I don't know. All the neonatologist researchers, <clears throat> they're an artificial uterus. An artif- they get a big old bag. And they put the lamb in the bag and sew the bag up, and it's got fake amniotic fluid, and they bring the umbilical cord out. Yes. And they keep it alive until it um, matures and can be born. It's coming to this country. It's coming to America, and I think it's going to change the debate. But I just want to tell you, if you have somebody in your prayers tonight, add Curtis Means, because the physicians, the family, the nurses, the technicians— have done a miracle. All right, we left our patient on the table. Uh, the patient had a heart attack. Yeah. The heart was stopped. Now, this is something that I've always wondered about. What about? Because my, as a kid, I loved Emergency, the TV show Emergency yeah, yeah, with, yeah. 
with Gage and DeSoto out there. Yeah, in there. yeah. And they would always shock the paddle. Well, you know what else they did? They rubbed the paddles together. Yes. Never do that. Never do that? Yeah. It, th- the reason why they said to do it was to smear the jelly. Sure, yeah. We don't use those anymore. Although I have. What you do is pads now. You peel right. off the thing and you stick them on. Right. Because you don't necessarily want to you know, push down that hard. Although, yeah. I've saved somebody by pushing harder. Okay. Yeah. So what you got to do now when you shock them, yeah. if it doesn't work, you get a blanket. Yeah. And you one blanket here, one blanket on the other pad, and you push down on the pads. Okay. Because what do you have to do to get that electricity through the heart? You got to shock it through the chest wall. Right. So anyway, uh, it was pretty cool to see him do that. When somebody has flatlined. Okay, well, there's a difference. Are they, are they gone? Okay, yeah. So your heart stops. When you have ventricular fibrillation, okay, if you really look at it, it's not flat. It's okay. like wiggly. Little okay. wiggly. And, but you're still hearing the beep. Right. Flatline is when there's no electricity at all, no electrolyte activity at all. And you want to deal with that different. If it's truly flat and there's no electricity, not even the, the chaotic ventricular fibrillation, that won't shock back to life, okay? Yeah. That needs a pacemaker. Oh, really? And guess what those pads can do? They can be a pacemaker. Through the heart. I mean, through the chest wall. They yeah. can capture. So that's the key thing. You've got to know. If it's flatline, you turn on the pacing function, and the whole body jumps. Could you, could you just imagine me moving up and down? Sure. Saves a life. Defibrillation is when you've got that chaotic electricity flowing through, and you want to hit the reset button. Okay? Right. So that's what defibrillation is. It blasts electricity throughout the heart, right. wipes out any electrical activity, and then lets the native come back. Okay? Lifesaver. Is, what I want every... Yeah, go ahead. Is the TV version of this more or less accurate? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It can be dramatic because they want... you know, I, The body doesn't jump off the table like okay. that. It, just, right, it moves a little bit. Um, but I, you know what? Everybody who's listening... Um, you can save a life yourself very easily. You right. don't have to go to ACLS, I mean, Advanced Cardiac Life Support School or anything like that. Go online right. and say, how do you put on an AED? Right. A is an apple, E is an Edward, D is an dog. And that's an automatic defibrillator. And they're all over. If you go to um, uh, a mall, yeah. there are signs that says AED. What you do is you just grab that thing. It's right. got the pads on it. You slap one pad there and one pad, you know, one pad in the front of the chest, one pad on the left side of the chest. You plug it in and you push a button. I, I defy people. It. I defy people to do it wrong. I've been trained in this. That's it. And the machine talks to you. Oh, it, let me tell you what happened to me. So the only time in my entire career I have had to do CPR and defibrillation in my office was a lady who had basically not told me the truth. She was having active chest discomfort. She told me that. She just had had a little bit two weeks before, so I did a stress test on her. And in the middle of the stress test, oh my. beep. Oh, oh my she God. went out. She went out. Fell on the floor. So everybody's, you know, freaking out. The Weefy has learned his lesson over years. Yeah. You walk to a code. You don't run. You don't. And you never raise your voice. And you yeah. never, ever say anything but, could you please get the crash cart for me? Yes. And everybody's looking at me, aren't you Aren't you concerned? Yes, I am concerned. I'm very concerned. But I'm trying to get everybody to see that we have a job to do. 
Oh, good. So anyway, we get it all hooked up. And she releases her juices on the floor. She urinates on the floor. You got about 30 seconds. Everybody's freaking because she peed on the floor. Yeah. So I turn on the AED, and it's like this. Analyzing the rhythm. Yeah. The rhythm needs shocking. Preparing to defibrillate. And then all of a sudden, a male voice goes, Get back! And it fires off. She woke up screaming bloody murder. And we were successful. There's another hour of Heart Health Radio coming up next. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com or... The other option, just stay where you are. Yeah. Just keep listening, because we'll be here for another hour. I, I always think the radio is a miracle. You have a yes. a, a voice coming out of your car yep. um, or, or stereo speakers or whatever. It's just there. There was a, a – I did a show here on the 100th anniversary of Reginald Fessenden's broadcast. Really? He, radio was dots and dashes – yeah. You know, <laughs> Morse code. <laughs> Fessenden hooked up microphones to it, played music on, had had performers in, and he scared the wireless operators crazy. He scared them out of their socks because all of a sudden he was playing, he was introducing music and uh-huh. playing stuff. I mean, it wasn't more than a half an hour. Somebody called up and. Complained about the music selection, but still, uh-huh. that's another thing. All right, listen, we were talking about heart issues. If somebody wants to bring up another part of the body, that's totally fine. Yeah. Dr. Weefald is an internal, infernal medicine specialist. Infernal, special. internal medicine specialist. And everybody, a cardiologist. Everybody always wonders what that really means. And it just means that the whole internal part of the body. Yeah. And skin, that's external. I don't sure. know why they call it internal medicine, but... It deals with giving medicine and doing non-invasive even uh, surgical procedures like stents yeah. and fixing bile ducts by using tubes. And so you spend three years and you learn everything you can possibly learn. Rheumatology, which is the uh, joints and autoimmune mm-hmm. disease. Cardiology, that's part of it. Pulmonology, running ventilators, learning how to use inhalers. Gut, oh my gosh, it, ulcers and stuff like that we learned it all and, and, and most cardiologists just want to you know and I'm, this is not denigrating because they do a great job right but they want to just put the stents in put the pacemakers in and when i was going to the hospital i had to rush off and do these pacemakers and and heart catheterizations i i really was always you know kind of thinking about getting to the hospital 
And so I didn't want to do, well, I did, but I didn't have time to do the diabetes control, which is part of internal medicine mm-hmm. and the blood pressure management. I, the standard thing is you go to the heart doctor and they check your pacemaker and then you say, doc, I'm nauseated. It'll go, wait, wait, I'm just the heart doctor. Go make an appointment with your primary care. And so then three weeks later, they get to see another doctor. Well, I have a philosophy and it's all or none. Yeah. And all these family doctors are getting really mad at me. But, you know, there are medicines that need to be used for diabetes to lower the risk of heart disease. There are certain medicines that need to be used for high blood pressure to lower the risk of heart disease. Right. And they're new. And not everybody's keeping up. Uh. And there's a big debate now in the cardiology journals. What do you do when somebody's diabetic and they're not being managed properly by their primary care physician? I don't think that's an issue. I mean, who's important here? The patient. And what these cardiologists are worried about? Well, then they won't send me any more referrals. I don't really care about referrals. You want to know something that's really interesting about my career? What's that? I see 10 new patients a, a week. That's a lot for a cardiologist. Yeah. They all come word of mouth. They call up. Yeah. Or the physician's office calls, and it's uh, a, you know referring you this sort of patient. When they get here, I say, so how'd you come to see me? Well, Dr. XYZ want me to see a cardiologist, and they said, go see this other cardiologist. And I said, no, I want to see Dr. Weefel. <laughs> so I don't care anymore. If another person's physician is upset. Now, I always communicate. Sure. I will write a letter, dear physician XYZ. I changed your patient's diabetes medicines for this reason. Ah. And, you know, I don't hear back. (laughs) It's gnashing of teeth on the other end of that fax machine. Yeah. But you got to do what's right for the patient. Right. Not, you know, you don't treat your referring doctor. You treat the patient. So anyway, um, that's my story. All right. And a lot of your patients are older. Uh, yeah. My, I have, my average age now is 70, 75. Wow. I've got 100-year-olds. That's that's probably the fastest growing age group. I mean, there's only about 30, but that's still a lot. Right. Um, and, you know, and now I'm seeing a lot of young people. Um, there's something that is very common now, and that's fainting. And it's because of something called orthostatic hypotension. And I think... A lot of it has to do with it um, being undiagnosed before. People getting lightheaded and dizzy. Yeah. And, you know, passing out, oh, you just fainted. And it's when your blood pressure falls when you stand up. Right. And it's a tough problem. It can come from diabetes, it can come from Parkinson's disease, or it can come from I don't know why. But the treatment's tough. So I'm seeing a lot of that now. And I'm seeing a lot of young people with rapid heartbeats, tachycardia, that's Greek yeah. for yeah. fast heart coming from short circuits in the electrical systems of the heart. I see a lot of that now. I didn't used to see as much. And atrial fibrillation is huge. It's just an explosion. And that is mainly because I think we're living longer. Um, This is in a lot of elderly individuals. And we're treating it very differently now. We're much more aggressive about atrial fibrillation. I remember before, the chief, who's now the chief of electrophysiology at uh, Duke. Yeah. And he and I were fellows together. And when he was an electricity fellow, we'd 
come to him for questions about atrial fibrillation, you know, and they wanted to talk about ventricular tachycardia, which was that bad rhythm we talked about when you have a heart attack. Sure. Because that's what their thing was, putting into fibrillators and busting out hearts and stuff. And he said, I don't do a fib. Don't do it? <laughs> like it was, you know, believe me. You know what he does now? What? 99% of his business is atrial fibrillation. And they got a toy. And their toy is an ablation machine where you right. go in and you, fr- you know, you either freeze or you fry yeah. the muscle where the bad electricity is. And so it's just amazing. I don't do atrial fibrillation. I really wish I had an iPhone back then. <laughs> to record him so saying So I could that. record him saying it and show right. it to him now. All right. In the news today, we've got a couple of things that are just fascinating. The CDC is investigating a major flu outbreak in Michigan. Yeah, it's really scary. I, I'm going to, you know, everybody, was it Pam Van Hook, Van Hookie, my transcriptionist, she's called in a couple of yeah. times and she said, I'm so sick of COVID and the flu. Right. Well, let me tell you, influenza this year is going to be bad. Um, I'm surprised that, well, it already is starting, but get your flu shot, please. Have you gotten yours? I've gotten mine. Yeah. Good. It's not bad uh, unless you're allergic to eggs. Uh, even now, some people are saying that you can take it if you're allergic to eggs. Right. Ask your doctor first. But this year is an H1N1 variety. That's a tough one. That's influenza A. Right. This also covers you for the other variety, influenza B. Uh, you may still get the flu, but it's going to be a lot less serious. Well, there's yeah. a college. I don't want to name it because they'll probably sue me. 500 kids. 500. Wow. With influenza, and they're sick. Muscle, high fevers, cough, and the cough is terrible. Yeah. So you feel like you're going to cough your lungs out, but nothing will come out. Yeah. It's dry. It's hacky. And if you get influenza, call your doctor, ask for Tamiflu. Okay, that is right. a medication that will reduce the severity in most cases. But let me tell you, flu can kill you, especially if you're immunocompromised. Um, and you can get a secondary infection called bacterial pneumonia because your bacteria then can break through your weakened immune system. And I'm telling you, it can be as bad as COVID in terms of its outcome. It's less uh, fatal than COVID is, it's, although COVID is approaching influenza numbers right. by the treatments that we have. So please, you know, go get your flu shot now, tomorrow, because it'll, it, it will help you. It will help save your life, perhaps, and make you less miserable if you do get it. I want to talk to you about two studies that you sent to me. Yeah. One claiming that coffee and eggs would increase your risk of a certain type of cancer. Well, this is another example of coffee is good for you. Right. And then coffee is bad for you. And, you know, the study was done at, in Iran. And, I, you know, I, it's got to be that stories like this that you see are what we call clickbait. Okay. Yeah. So you look at it and you go, oh, my God, I had coffee and eggs this morning. Am I going to die? And then you click on it and there's 20 advertisements you've got to wade through yes. before you get to the story. So if you see stories like this, Go to the next one. Just you know? relax. Just just forget it. Don't even read it. Because then the other story is coffee will... Coffee and eggs will increase your no, risk of... that's the can- one, but that's the bad All one. All right. Uh, there's the another other one. Will lower your risk of dementia. Right. And then the problem is, is that you forget about the first article. Sure. You know? I mean, 
Well, I mean, all these things that get you to do something. The other, the other thing is, okay, for example, a lot of these articles are freelancers who are making money right. by, by shilling for a company that stays hidden. So, right. for example, I can't name this company. I'm going to be sued. But they sell a lot of coffee. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And you know all those articles that came out about anti-energy uh, drinks? You know yeah. how they oh, kill sure. you? Yeah. Kid died of drinking energy drinks. Yeah, they don't say till the sixth paragraph. He had 40. And yeah. that was from this coffee company. Ah. Um, so, you know, grain of salt. All right. Well, how about this? A bean of coffee. I don't remember. I remember this about the coffee and tea, lowering your risk of dementia. I forgot. Here was how they did this. No, yeah. here is, no kidding, how they did this This study. Yeah. They asked people <laughs> how much coffee and tea they drank over a long period of time. Now, remember, this is a dementia study. Yeah. Some of the participants in this apparently have memory issues. To say that it's a responsible yeah. thing, wouldn't you have to just follow them and yeah, make sure absolutely. that they and actually that's, that's, did drink yeah. that much coffee? I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, then going into the details, it right. is just nuts. Nuts, though. And I don't even know what this, this, uh, this journal is. They don't even tell you the real name of it. The P- P-L-O-S Medicine. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll tell you what, that, that there's, sometimes you'll send me things, and it'll be from a journal called Gut. Yeah, Gut's a good journal. Is it a good journal? Should I subscribe? Yeah, Cell. Is Cell is a good one? It, it became very, very uh, trendy in the 90s and early 2000s <laughs> to have a medical journal, very slick, you know, that thick, you know, glossy sure. paper. Yeah. It had one word. You know, Just one word. Heart. <laughs> cell. Okay. Gut. You know, Gut. and 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 cell. I mean, when I was a molecular biologist, that's where you wanted to go. You want to go into cell. Yeah. And the original one word yeah. uh, journal, nature. Yes. You know. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to drop my subscription of obesity. Oh. No, that's, that's changed. It's called? What? Fat. <laughs> no, no, the problem is it's 350. Obesity is more than one syllable. It's 350 pages every month. Fat. The poor the poor UPS guy has you to can't lift it. All right. And you know what they're going to do? What? They're going to try to cut back on the pages to make it less fat. You'd think so. Yeah. All right, we've got a uh, a, a description we got we got to get through this Bypass versus stents. Yeah, this is really important. Um, I had a guy um, about six years ago. Oh, wait a minute. What? We can't say, I can't open a can of worms. Yeah, now. we can open a can of worms. No, you got to take a break. Oh. Then we're going to open a can then of worms. Then we'll open a can of worms. Stents versus bypass. And by the way, I've had both, so I can speak to both. Radio. 919 This is Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. Fake news is, you know, that was a big deal. They added it to the dictionary one year. I think it was last year. No, no, it was added to the Webster's, yeah. Sure. And I think even before that, the Oxford. 
Yeah. I don't know. What do you read? Do you do you read the Webster's or the Oxford? I read Google. Oh, okay. If I can't spell something, I put it into the computer. Mm-hmm. It says, "Do you mean blank?" Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston Methodist Hospital. Yeah. Suspended privileges, which you know puts her out of business. Yeah. For Doctor Mary Bowden. Yeah. What did she say? What's her crime? Dangerous misinformation. She said that ivermectin works. And it may not be as deadly as everybody says. Well, guess what? Hmm. I'm not going to promote ivermectin because it is not approved. But I can show you 10 or 15 journals that have published information on ivermectin that Mm -hmm. is positive. Mm -hmm. I can show you no journals that have shown ivermectin is dangerous. Okay. Okay. Ivermectin prescribed by a physician in the pill form. Everything you read about ivermectin being dangerous, there's a bunch of guys going out to the barn and pulling out the paste and slathering it in their mouth and swallowing it, overdosing on it. So here's a woman who has an opinion and is saying it on social media. I think ivermectin works. I think it's better than some other things. Here's the evidence. Now, you can disagree with her, Mm -hmm. but for the medical board to take away her license and to censure her for saying that, I think is wrong. Now, thank God it's not the North Carolina Medical Board because I'll never criticize them. No, 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 no. I wouldn't but do that. It wasn't the board. It wasn't the board. It was the medical, the hospital. Yeah, but the medical board is also after her. Oh, too. really? Okay. Well, yeah, she's, so, she's resigned her position. And here's what they also say. Yeah. Well, she had to. She was being hounded out. But you know, the hospital said the Food and Drug Administration hasn't approved that for that indication. Yeah. Well, and they're going to have to throw me in jail every day of the year. How many drugs have an approved indication? Almost maybe a tenth. We use off-label indications every dang day. Right. Because it's not been studied. The FDA approved, for example, a medicine I use called Bistolic or Nibivalol. It's approved for hypertension. Okay. I use it for patients with angina. It helps stop that. Mm-hmm. I use it for patients who have rapid heart beating. It's not an approved indication. But thank God it's still America, and I have the right to use any drug that is on the market approved by the FDA for one condition yeah. to use it for another. So, for example, if I give somebody ivermectin for COVID, it's perfectly legal. Well, I am allowed so. to repurpose a medicine that is approved for any reason right that's the license to practice medicine i am allowed to say i think this medicine will help she is being castigated thrown out canceled right for saying this on social media right now do i agree with her no would i use ivermectin first line no because there are other treatments that work extremely well now Right. But in the old days, just a year and a half ago, right. when we had no treatments. Right. There was a lot of anecdotal evidence that hydroxychloroquine worked. There was scientific reasons for it to prevent hyperinflammation. There were studies that shown ivermectin reduced the um, uh, division of the virus and replication of the virus. There are anecdotal stories of people with miraculous recoveries. Okay. There were some studies done that were on both drugs that were um, disputed by some 
promoted by others. The Henry Ford Hospital, one of the best hospitals in this country, published a study. You don't remember this because it was not promoted. It was fact. It was pushed under the rug. They did the largest study on hydroxychloroquine and showed that it was remarkably effective when given early to prevent progression of, of COVID to serious disease. Okay. Now, if you promote hydroxychloroquine, you may lose your license. And I think that this is wrong. And I think we, I mean, I can see, remember Laetrile? Yeah. Laetrile was made out of almond pits. Yeah. And they claimed it cured cancer. Right. There's a difference. There were no scientific studies that showed even the possibility that Laetrile would cure cancer. But this is different. And there are scientists and scientific papers that you may dispute scientifically right. that showed both of these medications may be effective. May. I'm not telling you to go out and get hydroxychloroquine. I am not telling you to go out and get ivermectin. But I will say this. I prescribed it legally back in the early days before right. we had the monoclonal antibodies, before we had um, you know remdesivir, which has been shown lately to be a worthless drug. Worthless. Hmm. Compared especially to steroids and, and the monoclonal antibodies. So what I'm trying to say with all this big harangue is if the lady's a jerk, that's fine. If you don't like what she says on social media, that's fine. But she was advocating something that was legal, yeah, which right, we right. do every day, right. which is called repurposing a medicine, which is called off-label use. Now, what I'm afraid of is that we're going to start getting in trouble for off-label use. And if that happens, forget about medicine because there's going to be – got to stop using these medicines. Not approved for that. Right. You know? All right. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to talk about stents versus bypass. Coming up next, this is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. That telephone number is 919-860-9783. We are live on the air right now. Call us. We'll get to you. Um, you probably pay attention to Ron DeSantis out of Florida. Yeah, you know, I have mixed feelings about him. And uh-huh. I don't know whether my mixed feelings are from the way he's portrayed because I've not had any direct contact with right. him. I agree with a lot of things he's done. I think Rick DeSantis deserves a lot of credit for how we came to know that Regeneron, the monoclonal antibodies, were absolutely fantastic uh, additions. Because when he was getting criticized for the vaccine, you know, lack of vaccine mandates, what right. was he doing? He was scurrying around, buying up all the Regeneron he could. Right. And setting up Regeneron clinics all through Florida. And what happened? It worked. Yeah. Deaths went down. Admissions went down. But, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe, and this is the problem, CNN and MSNBC, I don't watch them, but you hear about stuff. And, yeah. You know, and so I want to make a decision for myself. Cheers and kudos for Regeneron clinics. That's Ron DeSantis. Well, he's going to run for president. There's yeah, almost no doubt. And, and Trump hates him. Trump hates him. Hates him. All right. He signed uh, some bills addressing vaccine mandates. Yeah. Um, he's against vaccine mandates. Yeah, he's man- against vaccine All mandates. Right. You know where he signed the bills? No. Place called Brandon, Florida. 
Let's Brent, go, Brandon. Brandon, Florida. Yeah. Did you know That's, that in, um, oh gosh, is it Boone? Or one of those little towns hmm. in the mountains. Okay. They have a Trump store. Really? It's all Trump in the store. Really? And they have Let's Go Brandon t-shirts. <laughs> so for kicks, I you talked did. to somebody. No, I talked to somebody. Why don't you just get me one? Guess what? Huh. Sold out. Of course they are. Sold out. All right. Before we get in trouble, I have had stents. Yeah. I think it's possible that I had that I had stents and I probably just needed the bypass. Well, now wait a minute. Let right me ask away. you a question. How many stents the, when you had them? Five, How many different arteries? Five. Two different arteries. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. So there is a big debate, or there, at least there used to be a big debate, is when to do bypass surgery and when to do a stent. Right. And initially, if you had two vessels that were blocked, you had to have bypass surgery because the studies seemed to indicate a five-year survival rate that was higher. Now, what happened? We got better drugs. We got better okay. cholesterol medications. We got better uh, anti-thrombotic or blood thinner medications. So then the debate became, well, can we put two stents in or stents in two different arteries as sure. opposed to bypass? It's very complicated. Some would argue that if you have a tight blockage in the Widowmaker area, which is the front artery of the left anterior descending, I might get a bypass for that. Yeah. I might. And what they can do now is call a keyhole, they, and your heart's still beating. Remember, we had Dr. Bolton on about, about off-pump bypass. See? Sure. And you can just, you know, with a little keyhole, take down that internal mammary off the inside of the chest wall, and someone skilled like Dr. Bolton can sew it on to the artery, and, you know, it lasts a long time. I'm counting on that. Well, I don't know. But here's the, here's the point. Not everybody should have a bypass. I just think that you've got to take the patient's overall health into account. Right. So I had a guy who had renal insufficiency. You know, his kidneys weren't so good. He had lung problems. His lungs weren't so good. And he had blockages in all three arteries. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I called up and said, just stent the two most important ones. And if you get to the third one, do that one. Oh, no. Studies have shown that if you have three vessels blocked, you should have coronary artery bypass surgery because yeah. of the higher five-year survival rate. And I said, don't try to put this square peg in your round hole. Mm. He's got all sorts of problems that will predispose him to complications after surgery. Sure. He could get an infection. Oh, yeah. He could do all this other stuff. Well, and, and again... I'm not going to name names, anything. These are good doctors who made this decision. The guy died. Oh, my. Now, could he have died if he had two stents put in? Yeah. Sure. But you got to tailor your treatment to the individual patient. And that's this is an example of everything that's happening. Guidelines. Dr. Weefall, you didn't yeah. follow the guidelines when you treated this patient. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but he's really doing well. He's alive. Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> You didn't follow our guidelines. And, and this is what, it, it, I, you know, I'm, an old, I'm that old geezer in the corner uh-huh. saying, what about the good old days? Yeah. Okay? And yeah, the okay. 90s and the noughts, you know, the 2000s, the golden era of medicine. The golden really? era. I could do whatever I thought was right. They trusted me. Yeah. They didn't look over my shoulder. Yeah. They didn't make me write 10 page notes to get a wheelchair, you know. And um, we could individually treat our patients. Now, 
You have hospital staffs, ethics committees. You did not follow the guidelines, Dr. Weefald. Yeah, but the patient did really well. He's home now playing with his grandkids. Doesn't matter. And I just think it's crazy. Well, anyway, a study just came out. Yes. The main artery is not just the widowmaker. It's like the explosive widowmaker. The main artery feeds the whole front and the whole left side. It branches off. So the widowmaker breaks off from the the main artery. Yes. 90% blockage in the main artery. Bypass surgery. I mean, that was just the do-all and end-all. Well, I can tell you right now that I have convinced many of my stent cohorts to put stents in those arteries. Why? Because I didn't think they'd survive bypass surgery. You know, and it's different now, okay, because they have off-pump keyhole bypass. Right. Well, they just did a study where they compared stenting the left main in all comers Mm-hmm. versus bypassing the left main in all comers. And you yeah. know what the difference was? Hmm. 0.2% favoring the bypass patients at five years. 0.2%. Now, what does that also mean? It means that if you have a situation, bad lungs, for example, I mean, they got to cut your chest open. Yes, they are. They got to spread the wings, yeah. man. Yep. And then they got to put it back together and your lungs have to re-expand. That's the number one complication I see. Pneumonia. And bad lungs after bypass surgery can be deadly. Right. So anyway, if you have a left main blockage, I think that you should definitely ask your surgeon, is bypass surgery really the best way for me? Okay? Yeah. And, and ask your surgeon, ask your cardiologist, not to just go by the hospital and cardiology guidelines. Get it improvised. Get get your kidney function in there. Yeah. You know, are they going to do it off pump? Why is that important? Because the bypass pump can cause pump head. Right. Little clots can form, cause dementia. You should see the difference. The MRIs? Yes. Pre-bypass and after bypass? Yes. When you have the, the brain pump? So, I mean, we have to realize that individual treatment is the way to go, not plugging and and monitoring by computer algorithms. And that's the next thing I want to get to. What's that? This guy publishes this article where he decides to go to the future doctor's office where it's digital. Oh, really? Where it's artificial intelligence. Yeah. Where it's computerized reading and the doctor just sort of, hi, next computer, please. And he's fascinated at what he learns. Yeah. What does he learn? Number one, for your blood pressure, Stay at a healthy weight. Get more exercise for his anxiety. Try adding one to two minutes of mindfulness to every day. Mindfulness? Mindfulness. Okay, and then... I get no mindfulness. Deep breathe. Ever. Deep breathe. Deep breathe. Deep breathe. This is what he's been told? And then here's his coronary disease, uh, uh, what's spit out from the computer. Yeah. Optimize the modifiable risk factors. There is a 12-point reduction in blood pressure necessary. This yeah. does not compute. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm going to tell you all out there right now. Yeah. Find yourself an old-fashioned doctor. Find yourself one who doesn't bring a computer in a room. Find yourself one that looks you in the eye. Yeah. Find yourself one that changes his or her facial expressions in accordance to what you are experiencing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Find someone who listens who lets you talk and yeah. doesn't interrupt you unless you're babbling incoherently. <laughs> <laughs> I 
find someone who takes little notes. Find someone to ask follow-up questions on the symptoms you have. Right. Ask a doctor or find a doctor who wants you to tell a story. Oh, yeah. You know, Dr. Weefald, I was in the grocery store. I tried to pick up a huge bottle of water. I got tightness in the chest. Instead of, are you having chest pain? Are you having shortness of breath? Nope. Take these medicines. I can't tell you the number of patients who came in. One of them came in today. Really interesting patient. I think is going to have coronary disease, but they were barking up the wrong tree. When I left, he looked me in the eye and he said, you know, Dr. Weefald, I want to tell you something. This is true. We, we were a half an hour on a 15-minute visit. No computers, nothing. We just talked and I took notes, formulated in my mind. He said, you have now spent more time with me in this one visit than my doctor has in the last two and a half years. Wow. It's sad. And I told him, you know why? He's rushing off to get that note done so he'll get paid by you know Duke or UNC. If you don't have your note done, you don't get paid. You know when your note's going to get done? He said, no. He says, well, if you're lucky, <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and I'm not treating my notes. I'm treating the patient. Right. I've got a formula, and I put it together. Don't go to a, com- a computer. Do not go to a physician's office and because they have the latest artificial intelligence algorithm, which is better than a physician. What a bunch of CRP, <laughs> C-reactive protein. Um, find an old-fashioned doctor who knows when to use technology. Right. Because technology is important. I got a electronic stethoscope. Good it's for awesome. you. It's awesome. I can record you. the sounds and stuff. Yeah. What I like to do also is put the stethoscope in the patient ears and have them listen to what they're oh, saying. Yeah. It's pretty cool. A lot of times they say, I can't hear anything. <laughs> of course, then I tell them, oh, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> Um, the ultrasound machine I have sure. is 25 years old. And you is want to know really? something? Yeah. The new ones are $250,000. Good heavens. Yeah. Because, oh, the image processing from the artificial intelligence algorithm will give you a sharper image. It's a qualitative test. you know what that means? No. It's looking at the picture and getting it. Get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Because all those measurements that artificial intelligence does and all this, they don't, they're not accurate. So what I'm trying to say is there's technology, and then there's technology. And you use technology to help with the right. mental decisions that we make. You don't let the technology tell you what's wrong. Right. You know? And uh, I am an old man sitting in the corner babbling about the good old days. You're screaming, uh, screaming yeah. at the clouds. I'm telling you, I guess yeah. it's true. Well, that's all right. Yeah, I I always said, you know, if you I used to own an old truck, and the the, the whole point with an old truck is when you need a you need a mechanic, you find the oldest mechanic you can find. Yeah. You find find old who's, who's still upright. He's crusty. He's crusty, but, but he knows okay. his stuff. Here's an example of of weefy medicine yeah. in the automotive industry. Yes. So Ford F one fifty from the sixties. You know they yeah. look pretty cool, right? Yeah. You know what Ford's doing? Huh. This is really cool. They're putting the Mustang Machi electric motor in it. Really? In the old car. It's like New wine and old bottles. Yes. And I think that's an, a prime example of me. I will. I know everything there is to know new. I right. keep up. Right. I know everything. I'm, I'm exaggerating here. Don't believe that. I'm, it's called hyper, hy, hyperbole. Hyperbole. It's hyperbole, hyperbole if you burp in the middle. Yeah. 
But the point I'm trying to make is, yes, technology is good. Yes. And used in the right way. So you like the look of the old truck. Yeah. And you want to have, you know, an electric motor because I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm not one of these environmental wackos, but I bought an electric car and it is definitely the future. You like it. But not because of saving the turtles and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> I'm serious about this. Go find an old-fashioned doctor. Yeah. But who also has an iPhone. That maybe that will tell you. Sure. That they are hooked into technology, but they're old-fashioned when it comes to diagnosis and treatment. Philip Tumulty, Johns Hopkins professor. He wrote a book called The Effective Clinician. Read it. If, you want to, if you're going to go to medical school out there, mm-hmm. if you're in residency right now, The Effective Clinician. And I'll never forget one of the things he talks about. It's a chess match. Mm-hmm. You're sitting in front of the patient. He makes a move with his queen. You interpret what that means. Yeah. You make a move with your rook. And it is, you go back and forth and you come up with an answer. The other thing he says is listen to your patient. He or she will tell you what's wrong with him. All right. I, the only thing that I've taken from this conversation. Oh, come on. There's many things. The only thing that I'm, it's going to stay with me is that you own a 15 year or 25 year old piece of equipment in your office and to replace it is $250,000. And you know what I paid for? What? You know, how much? Like, how much you think? Take a guess. I paid, it was state of the art in 19, <laughs> I don't know, 99. It was 10 it grand. It takes perfect pictures yeah it's been refurbished okay it has a crt instead of a flat screen you know what that is sure that's yeah. a tv screen instead yeah, of a tv flat tube screen. i can look at that thing and i can tell if their valve's bad i can look at that thing and tell if their um, heart muscle's not working well I, are, I get everything i want out of it are you the I only one it, who touches I it i bought it on, on no 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 i have a technician who does the studies. Okay, all right. now she wants the bells and whistles she's young she grew up in a bells and whistles era and I'd ask her, what's the bell? Well, if I do this, I can turn the color to pink instead of red. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's cool. Anyway, I want to know what you think I paid for it. I bought it online. Ten grand. I bought it online last year. How much? $2,500. $2,500. Versus $250,000. My concern about the whole, I got the old technology and it might break, is... You're going to have to one day come in to me and say, Dave, I just spent $250,000 no. on a piece of equipment. You know why? No. You'll buy another I'll old buy one. another $2,500. Good for you. Good for you. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. We're back in just a moment. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Who are we shouting out? Well, I'm shouting out, and my heart is going out, to one of my favorite patients, and I have permission to talk about her. Uh, Yvonne Moore. I met Yvonne, geez, 10 years ago. She came in with atrial fibrillation. And she's progressed in life, and she's uh, a little weaker than she used to be, but she won't be stopped. She goes out. She gets her hair done, and she just lives life. Yeah. Now, she's a little slower than she used to be. Somehow, she got vaccinated, for sure, mm-hmm. and she's in the hospital now struggling with severe COVID. Oh, my. And um, I talked to her. Her son called me. I didn't know that she was in the hospital. She had a positive test. She went to, uh, to get Regeneron, which is the IV uh, infusion 
They now gave it by sub-Q shot, too. And then she got her steroids, but they admitted her to the hospital right away. She had yeah. COVID pneumonia, and her oxygen level was down. And, you know, she wanted to hear from me. And this yeah. is an example of the human touch and the human voice, which is, I think, the fundamental part of medicine. And her son called and said, can you talk to mom? And he gave me the deal. And we talked for about five, ten minutes. And in the beginning of our conversation, her voice was, you know, um, rushed. I mean, she was worried. She had that tone of voice. And so I just talked her through it. I said, Yvonne, you got this virus. Your body is overreacted. You got some fluid in your lungs. You got great doctors. They've given you the right medicines. Right. These medicines are going to clear up the virus. You may be sick. I can't promise you that you're going to be 100%, but you're on the right track. And we talked, and she laughed, and, and I could hear her son in the background. And I would say by the end of that, I could hear her voice, mm-hmm. and the word was hope. And we've got to not lose that in medicine as the conversation, as the, the, the human touch and the human voice cannot be replaced by a computer screen. Yvonne, we love you. Praying for you to get better. Nothing's guaranteed in life. But you've got great doctors and you've got a great family. And we will do everything we can to get you through this. If you're out there, Yvonne Moore, say a prayer for Yvonne because she deserves the best. Very good. So you have advised me not to go into a hot tub or a Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because, now we know why. Uh, well, what, no, the yeah. folks don't know. Okay. What uh, is the story here? Okay, so 11-year-old girl from Austria was at a um, resort. Yes. And they have a natural hot tub. It's kind of small, but it's got hot water in it. It's fed by a geyser, but it's not spring-fed. The water flows into it and sits there. Okay. Okay. So she went in there. It had fun. It was warm and nice. She gets back to Austria, and she's got a vaginal drip, and she's burning. And to make a long story short, they take her into the hospital. She's got gonorrhea. She's 11 years old. There was no sign of sexual abuse. The parents were with her at all times. Everything was fine. They went back to that hot pool. Oh, my. There's gonorrhea in the hot pool. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Hot tubs are great if you know how to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And bacteria love hot water. They right. love water that's bubbling. Sure. What does that do? That oxygenates the water. It gets certain bacteria to grow faster. Let me tell you what can work is that every time you use that thing, you shock it. Now, what does that mean? Sure. You take a bunch of chlorine and yep. you can get it offline. I mean, offline, online. You can get the chlorine offline and it'll tell you how big your hot tub is, how many gallons, you open the top of that thing and you pour it in. Now they say, oh my God, that's chlorine. Oh, it's a chemical. You know what happens to chlorine? It, it, it evaporates. evaporates yeah. Within 12 hours, the chlorine's gone. I, I'd rather have chlorine in my hot tub than yeah. gonorrhea. Yeah, but you can do it. Right. Um, I had a pool that was one of those really great salt pool. Yeah. But well, every week. I shocked yeah. that pool. Yeah. And I never uh, had a positive call. I did cultures. I would take it out and take some water out and send it to the bacteriology sure. lab. But 
This is key, because hot tubs are real popular now. Shock Mm -hmm. your hot tub every chance you can get. And the only thing is you can't go in it for eight hours. Okay, do it. Do it. You're gonna want to get up at two in the morning and have to go in your hot tub. No. And chlorine's not expensive. It's not. Okay. Turkey. Yes. I eat turkey and I get tired. L tryptophan. They now know. Yeah, Uh, turkey, especially white meat. Now I'm a dark meat guy. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Dark meat, and you know what's great about that? Oh. I get it all myself. Oh, Nobody yeah, else yeah, wants it. Right. They want that succulent uh, uh, breast meat. I think it's dry. Okay. So anyway, L-tryptophan. Can make you sleepy. So mixing wine with your turkey can actually elevate the amounts of L-tryptophan. It's a, it's a type of chemical that gets into your brain and makes you sleepy. So, you know, be careful. Okay. If you gorge on turkey, it's true that you, you can get sleepy. I mean, okay. you know why now? L-tryptophan. L-tryptophan. There's nothing I can do That's to... That's like El-Zora. L-tryptophan. L-tryptophan. He's a new cartoon hero on Saturdays. L-tryptophan. <laughs> he just puts you to sleep after you eat turkey. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for folks who are listening to this radio show. We appreciate uh, We'd love you to listen to it on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.